Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Happily Mental, where I'm going to be talking about self-awareness and self-acceptance. I'm going to be combining my studies of mental health and addictions with my lived experiences and my personal experiences, which I think will bring a new perspective. I want to share stories about my own realizations about how important it is to be self-aware and know your boundaries and know what makes you happy. I want to start my first episode by sharing my experiences with mental health because they're quite intense and I learned a lot from them. And for a long time, I was ashamed and embarrassed when people found out that I had struggles with mental illness in the past. And the truth is, it never really goes away. It might not be as intense or extreme, but it's always in the back of my mind. And I have to be self-aware and know what my boundaries are. If you have a mental illness or you have an addiction, you could be getting help from your family, your friends, but you have to want to do it for yourself. Some people just aren't there yet. I'm going to share my own experiences and I really want to hear from you. If you have a story you want to tell me, send me a message or just any feedback about the episode because I really want to use this platform to break stigma I was 19 years old and I went through a whole month episode of psychosis. Now, I had never heard of what psychosis was before it happened to me, so I don't blame you if you don't know what it is or don't know too, too much about it. Um, Basically, what happened was I started having a lot of delusions and hallucinations. It's like my brain disconnected from my body. I wasn't getting any more signals. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't talking. I couldn't walk. I barely even knew how to brush my own teeth. And I had this whole script written out. I was going to, it was like 6,000 words. I was just going to read it to you and tell you all the nitty gritty details about how it happened and during my episode. And I still want to talk about those things, but I think I'll just go with the flow. I mean, if you have questions, I'm an open book. So if I don't cover anything that you want to know, ask me and I'll answer it in the, further, in the, in the next episode. Um, so I've actually spoken about this story that I'm going to tell you for about four years now. Uh, it was two years after my episode that I started speaking about it publicly. I've been sharing my story to college students and family support groups of people that are going through the same thing as I was in hopes that I could help the families understand what was going through their loved ones' minds at the time. I feel so awkward saying all this stuff, but hopefully it'll get better as the, as I get used to it. Um, so anyways, here's the story. <laughs> so I was 19 years old. I had just turned 19. Uh, my birthday's June 1st, so it was the summertime. I had just graduated from a vet assistant, one-year program. And I was already accepted to Police Foundations, which is a two-year program. So it was in between the two programs that I had my episode. I had just moved out of my mom's apartment in with my best friend at the time. We worked together for four years, three or four years, and we decided we wanted to move out together. So we moved into this guy's basement. It was her friend's family house, so her dad was our landlord. Her friend had moved out, so we took over her room in the basement. She had a bathroom down there, and we moved in a mini fridge, but for the most part, we it was just one big room, so it wasn't like an apartment, like a basement apartment. It was just a room. We shared a bed. 
which seems so unhealthy to me now, but it was $400 a month. We each paid 200 bucks and we had the freedom to do whatever we wanted. We were 19. We both smoked weed, which she actually got me into or like that friend group anyways, got me into. They thought I was already smoking weed and that I had experience with all all the things that surround that, but I didn't. I just wanted to fit in honestly so bad that I was I was changing who I was to be friends with these people because it was more important to me than staying true to who I was and being self-aware and self-accepting. Smoke weed, get ready for work, smoke weed before I left. At work, we would go on break together and smoke weed in her car if, we sh- if she was working. After work, go hang out with her friends, smoke weed, go home, smoke again. Like it was just constantly, it was just constant. And if you know me now, it's a good example of you don't know who is going through what. Don't judge a book by its cover type thing. You wouldn't have guessed it. I hid it very well, especially from my parents and people I didn't want to know, didn't know. I hid everything. And that's where I think the constant state of stress began. I was, I was numb. I didn't have a sense of self. I didn't know who I was anymore. And I felt like it was too late to change. Fast forward two months of doing that, smoking weed every day, so stressed out because I was spreading myself so thin. I didn't know how to say no to anyone. So let go of anything. So I had these friends from first year of college that I'd made that I was still hanging out with, which were really good friends. I still talk to them today. I didn't want a job at McDonald's. So it's such a a full plate. I was also dancing like five times a week too. So two months of that, constant stress, smoking weed constantly all day. I wasn't eating properly, lying to my mom and my other friends because I didn't want them to know what I was doing. I was ashamed. I was ashamed that I was smoking weed all the time because at the time it was it was illegal. It wasn't legal yet in Canada. I was also introduced to shoplifting. Uh, the friend I moved in with, she would steal from the mall and me not, you know, I knew it was wrong. I knew like inside I was going to faint. 24-7 when we'd go into the mall, I was, I was sweating. I was so nervous because I knew it was bad. I knew I shouldn't be doing that, especially because I was going into a police foundations program next semester. I wasn't living for myself. I was making such bad decisions. So two months of that, I go home one weekend. This is kind of where this weekend is where I noticed the changes. So I go home. My mom was, we got in a fight. We fought a lot because she'd ask me questions like, oh, how was your day? What did you do last night? And I would like panic because I'd have to lie. And then I'd have to remember that lie that I told her. So we got in a big fight. I think it was probably about me not coming home enough. I think that's what it was. And I literally was so frustrated. My, my, I was getting so angry. I punched the floor in my room, which was a carpet floor. And it was concrete underneath because we were in an apartment building. So I broke my right hand. I was like, mom, I think I broke my hand and she had to go to work. So I drove myself to the hospital. They put my hand in a semi-permanent cast. I actually remember my friend picked me up and I smoked weed right in the hospital parking lot. <laughs> my hand was broken through this whole psychotic episode. On top of that, I also got my period. So it was just not, it was, it was like the universe was saying, okay, you weren't going to take our lifeline. So we're going to put you through hell. We're going to put you to rock bottom and then we'll see what happens. So I stayed home for that weekend because my hand was broken. I was going to take some time off work. So I figured why not stay at home, make my mom happy. And I've, I was kind of just over it. Like I didn't want to lie anymore. I 
realized what I was doing. And this is when the psychosis set in. So when I was at home, I obviously wasn't smoking weed and my body was so used to it. My body was saturated in it. So I started to go through withdrawals. I wasn't sleeping. I didn't sleep for like four or five days straight. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating because I didn't have an appetite. I was dry heaving over the toilet constantly. I, I felt really faint all the time. That night, my mom got home from work and I told her, I was said, mom, you need to call 911. Something isn't right. I said, I'm dehydrated. I need an IV in my arm. I need an IV. I feel like I'm going to die. And I didn't know what was wrong and she didn't either. But she said, go to bed. It's nighttime. We'll I'll drive you in the morning. She didn't want to wait in the in emerge for like three hours. So I was like, okay. So she went out on our balcony for a second and I grabbed the cordless phone and I ran to my room. Actually, I think I was crawling. I crawled to the phone. Like I couldn't even get up. I felt so heavy. I think it was maybe the lack of food. I don't know. But I crawled to my room. I called 911 <laughs> and the paramedics came into the apartment. I was laying on my bedroom floor. When they came in, they stuck like the white sticky pads on my chest and you could hear my heart rate going on the monitor. And when my mom walked around the corner, my heart rate went up. You could tell I was so freaked out. I was nervous because she told me not to call and I did. So I was scared she was gonna be mad. <laughs> so we went to the hospital by ambulance. They asked me, do you want your mom to come? meet you there. And I said no, because I was so scared that she was going to find out that I was smoking weed or find out something that I just thought she was going to be mad at me, honestly. So I was just like, no, I don't want to see her. So they said, okay, that's fine. Do you want something to help you sleep? Because I told them I hadn't slept for like two days. And I said, no, I didn't want anything, which I should have said yes. But anyways, I didn't sleep that whole night in emerge. I remember I finally started to close my eyes after a whole night of not sleeping, and the doctor comes in and says, good morning, with a tray of food in her hand. So I was like immediately regretted not taking whatever sleeping pill they were going to give me. She said, if you eat a bite of food and walk around the hospital hallway one time, you can go home. So I was like, okay. So I ate a bite of a cracker and walked around the hallway. At this point, my mom showed up. I Told them that, yeah, she could come in. Uh, my mom drove me home. I went back up to the apartment. And I was so scared that she was going to be mad at me. But she wasn't. She was just so confused and scared for me. She didn't know what was going on. So I actually gave her the password to my cell phone. Which is, like insane for me to think about like just think about it a 19 year old who I had like conversations of drug deals like weed I we, just weed but um drug deal conversations parties my like hood rat stupid talk that I was like talk to my friends like didn't sound like me at all in my mom's eyes anyways I had pictures and like stories from parties, like just stupid shit on there. And I gave her my password to my cell phone because I didn't have it in me to just flat out tell her all the stuff that I'd been hiding from her and lying about. So I just gave her my phone in hopes that she would just learn it all on her own. And I wouldn't have to tell her it out loud because I was so ashamed and embarrassed and whatever. 
So I was laying in bed. She read the phone. I was watching some TV. She came in and she was like, so I read everything. And we talked. I answered any questions that she had. I remember saying to her, get rid of the cigarettes on the balcony because I want them or something like that. And because I just, I was so desperate to sleep and I knew if I couldn't smoke weed to sleep, I was like, maybe if I smoke a cigarette really fast, I'll get a head rush and fall asleep. That's what I was thinking. My mom was so confused. Like she was, she didn't know who I was, (laughs) but not through the whole experience did she ever get mad and yell. She just wanted to help me through it. And actually, um, mental health and addictions runs in my family. So she has had experience with this in the past with other family members. And up until this point, you're probably wondering, okay, I don't think you had psychosis. I think you were having withdrawals and you went through a bad trip, which is actually some, something that a girl said in during one of my speeches, which up until this point makes sense. Like, yeah, I would say that too. But this night that I'm about to tell you, this is where shit gets real. This is where the psychosis started to settle in and make itself comfortable. <laughs> this is where the delusion set in and the hallucinations. So I hope you enjoy because I'm about to expose myself here. <laughs> so she put a snack and some water and some melatonin on my nightstand. And she told me to go to sleep. I'm, I remember I... I didn't want to sleep. I was so afraid, and this was a delusion. I was so afraid that if I fell asleep, I wouldn't wake up, that I had to be awake to be breathing, inhaling and exhaling. So when I closed my eyes, I remember whispering, I love you, because I I didn't think I was going to wake up. I thought I was going to die, like legitimately. So obviously I didn't die. Thankful for that. I actually woke up a couple hours later. It was still dark out. And I woke up in the hallway. I was sitting with my legs tucked up against my chest in the hallway of our apartment. And I saw like a black shadowy figure in my mom's doorway. So I I was afraid to shout out to her. I wanted to shout out to her because I was scared. But there's a dark shadowy figure and at the time I thought it was my stepdad I thought he was standing there saying like don't bother her or something because my mom has epilepsy and growing up when she was having a seizure or about to have one she'd go into her room and lay down so I thought that was his way of saying like don't bother her she's having a seizure which I thought was my fault I thought that I'd stressed her out so badly that I'd put her into a seizure so I didn't yell out to her and I just felt like there was eyes on me. Like the the energy in the room was so heavy and negative and scary. And I didn't know what I was feeling. And then all of a sudden, I lifted it in my body. And I could see myself like in bird's eye view. Like I was above myself. And then immediately, the scenery changed. I wasn't in my um, apartment anymore. My mom's apartment. I was in an observation room. Like picture in the movies like you know the stigmatized observation room that they put like a psycho a a mental health mental illness patient in the in an observation room and there's like 
people in lab coats looking at them and like writing things down. That's what I saw. I don't know if that was my mind saying, I think I'm crazy and this is what's going to happen to me or what, but that's what I saw. I was so scared and alone. And then again, I blacked out again. I woke up and I was on our couch in the living room. I remember I I stretched my arm out in front of me that had the IV in it from the night before in the hospital. I looked and there was bruises and there was like sticky parts left from the tape that held it in place. And I felt this tingle from my fingertips go up my arm and into my chest. I remember just thinking, what the hell is wrong with me? I'm so tired. I was tired of fighting whatever it was that I was fighting. I was so confused. It's like I was fighting with myself. And then it was like I saw this grin in my mind and like this cackling, like something was laughing. And then I heard a voice say, Shayna's not here anymore. And I, I was fighting it. I knew, I knew I had to fight whatever it was, but I couldn't anymore. I was so tired. Again, I fell asleep. Next thing I knew, there was two more paramedics sitting in front of me. And turns out my mom called 911 again this time. Uh, one of them searched my room because they assumed I'd taken some type of drugs. Because I, I didn't look, like the only thing that looked wrong with me was my broken hand. So they assumed I was taking drugs. She asked me, the paramedic asked me what I took, and I said I hadn't taken anything. The only thing I'd ever done in my life was weed. And my mom confirmed that she hadn't take, that I hadn't used anything since I'd been home. So back in the ambulance I go. I remember in the ambulance, I don't know if this was a, a delusion or what, but it seemed to me in my eyes that they were annoyed at me. I, I, was, I can't help wonder if they just thought I was on drugs and wasting their time. This was in 2015, so um, I think we, we still have a long way to go with stigma, but back then it was even worse. So we go to the hospital, and I don't really remember too, too much about this, but I guess they took some urine samples to see if I had taken any drugs, and I had not. The only thing that came up was marijuana, cannabis, weed. And the first room I was in was like a very small, padded room. And there was a little door. Imagine like a jail cell that size. It was a padded room. I was laying on the bench. The nurse was talking to my mom outside. She came in. She asked me the, my name, the date, if I knew where I was. And I remember at that point, I, I knew all the answers. I knew what day it was. That was the last time I knew I had any recollection of time for the, my whole stay in the hospital. My whole long, month-long stay, I had no idea what day it was or what time it was. I knew where I was because I I knew I was in the hospital because there's only one general hospital in my city. So I knew that. But anyways, so I got let out of that little room and my mom and I sat in a waiting room. And again, I blacked out. I, I fell on the floor. My mom told me nurses and doctors rushed over to see if I was okay and then the nurse that had initially asked me those questions said don't bother with her she's already been released and no one told my mom that so she just had the look of desperation in her eyes like please don't send her home with me again we don't know what's wrong with her so one of the doctors saw how desperate my mom was and 
I guess he was the one that helped me get into the mental health ward. But um, before they set me up in a room, I was put in another room. It wasn't a padded room. It was bigger. It was concrete walls, and there was a bench. So I sat on the bench, and then I had this weird hallucination that I had actually gotten up, left the room, talked to the doctors outside, went to the washroom. Like, this is all so real to me. It even looked like I'd carved smiley faces into my legs. I remember thinking, how could I do this to myself? What is wrong with me? But it turns out that whole thing was a hallucination. I didn't have any carvings on my legs. I never self-harmed through this whole process, thank God. But they wouldn't put it past me. It could, it can happen. So anyways, my mom um, came to this room and said, hey, they're setting up a permanent, more permanent place for you kind of like a psych ward confessions type situation. So please message me and ask me questions. So if you want to hear the second part of the story where I really dive into what happened and what it was like in my experience in the mental health ward, please come back for episode two. I wanted to break this up. It usually takes me about an hour to get through my story when I do a speech in person. I I just kind of wanted to get that in there before I dove into the nitty gritty because the next part is really intense and I don't know if everyone wants to hear it. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of a taste of what's going to happen and I didn't want to make the episodes too, too long. I like podcasts that are about half an hour. So episode two is going to be, this podcast is going to be about self-love, self-awareness, self-acceptance, And like I said before, I just want to try and combine my two areas of expertise. I've lived experience. I'm studying it in school. So I want to give this fresh, new, and thank you so much if you've listened till the end. I really appreciate it. I will see you in a couple weeks.